What exactly is Hungary's problem with the, with Ukraine? Obviously, it's not about Ukraine. It's about Hungary wanting to force Brussels to give it concessions, to give it more money. Hungary always had to have something that it can pressure Brussels with. Orban really likes how Russia operates. For him, Putin is actually a really good teacher. Can Hungary be persuaded to back off? Hi, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Ukraine, a show where the newsroom of the Kyiv Independent explains Ukraine's biggest events in just under 30 minutes. I'm your host, Anastasia Lapatina. Today, the Kyiv Independent's deputy chief editor, Alexis Sorokin, joins me to discuss Hungary, the Kremlin's biggest ally in Europe, and why it's been posing a threat to Ukraine's European integration. Lyosha, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Before we go on, I'll, of course, remind your listeners to please subscribe to The Kim Independent wherever you're listening to this show, whether that's on YouTube or on audio platforms. Leave comments, ratings, like us. Takes you only a few minutes, but goes a really long way for us because it helps YouTube and other platforms promote our podcast. So, Losha, just last week on this podcast, we discussed some hugely important news for Ukraine. The Euro Commission finally recommended that member states begin official accession talks with Kyiv because of Ukraine's substantial progress in its pro-democratic reforms. And almost, almost immediately, as everyone here in Kyiv was celebrating, Hungary starts coming out with these statements, basically saying that Ukraine doesn't belong in Europe and openly saying that it's going to block European integration for Ukraine. So what exactly is Hungary's problem with, the, with Ukraine? Like, why has it been so aggressively opposing Ukraine's European integration? Well, Hungary has a lot of problems. First of all, it's Ukraine's education law, the part where schools are obligated to have Ukrainian as the main language in Ukraine. The second part is Ukraine adding the major Hungarian bank into its uh, list of companies financing the war. There's also a problem with Brussels and uh, Hungary demanding concessions from Brussels every given Tuesday. There's also a relationship with Russia. And so this whole pack of Hungary being on the opposite spectrum from where Ukraine is, obviously will be a major problem in the upcoming accession talks. And has, has the relationship between Hungary and Ukraine always been so sour, even before the full-scale invasion? Well, depends from what time we're looking at. It was pretty okay before, I would say, 2016, 2017. Even when Orban was already in power, the problems... That's Viktor Orban, the, the prime, minister, prime minister of Hungary. Yeah. Or according to Donald Trump, the president of Turkey. Uh, <laughs> he has two roles. Yeah, so even when Orban was already in power, Ukraine and Hungary had a decent relationship. Not great, not terrible. What happened is Ukraine adopted in 2017 the education law, which focused on Ukrainian language becoming... Uh, mandatory in schools. So the first draft that was adopted then into a bill by the Ukrainian parliament saw the Ukrainian language becoming the mandatory language for all courses starting from grade five. And why is that a problem for Hungary? According to Ukraine's census uh, that was conducted 20 years ago because Ukraine... Uh, Apparently sucks at conducting censuses. Yeah. Um, so what happened is According to the census, there's 150,000 Hungarians uh, living in Ukraine. Obviously, the number right now is way smaller, but it's still a substantial number. It's around 70 or 80,000 
Hungarians, most of them live in the westernmost part of Ukraine, the Carpathia region, on the border with Hungary. Mm-hmm. And so if you've been to the Carpathia, you know that those people are not really well integrated into Ukrainian society. If at all. Yes. A lot of them don't speak Ukrainian. They continue speaking Hungarian. They work in local shops, local factories that everywhere there, the people speak Hungarian. So what Ukraine is trying to do is to allow those people to integrate into the Ukrainian society. The law, the initial form, was criticized not only by Hungary, but also by Poland, by Romania, by basically every Ukrainian neighbor, and also the Venice Commission, the European Union, and so mm-hmm. everyone. But the tricky part here is that Ukraine, after criticism, actually amended this law, making it more, well, making it better for minorities. So now, going forward until grade 11, and Ukraine has 11 grades, right? in school, you still have courses in your native language. So if we're going into detail with this, then the percentage drops every several years. So to be specific, for the first four classes or four years of school, which is primary school here in Ukraine, national minorities can just study in their own language. So no Ukrainian is required. Then after that, Ukrainian for several years has to be at least 20% of instruction. After that, it rises in several years to 40 and then to 60%. So overall, it's around 60-70% of instruction that has to be in Ukrainian by the time you finish school. So not right away. Yeah. And for example, in grade 11, you still have 40% of courses that are allowed to be taught in any other language. Well, any language of the European Union. Yeah. But that's still substantial. Like, Mm -hmm. to be fair, Ukrainian schools in Ukraine having Ukrainian language as the main language is logical. Right. So, and this law is pretty liberal in a sense that if you're a Hungarian... Private school? uh, Yeah, Hungarian private school, then you can continue teaching everything in Hungarian. So this... Scandal is blown out of proportion intentionally by Budapest. Actually, the deputy of the Ukraine's education minister has been trying to clarify all of this in the last few days as the scandal has been blowing up. And I've read that he said that when they put the percentage at 20 to 40 percent, that's basically like the courses that are Ukrainian language, Ukrainian history, Ukrainian literature. So it's like Directly Ukraine-related subjects. So, like, naturally, you would, you would want to teach them in Ukrainian, right? And then the rest of the subjects can be in Hungarian. So, like, there's a lot of logic to this law. It's, it's not some arbitrary percentages that Ukraine is pulling here. Yeah, but the problem is we live in a, in a century where, where truth doesn't matter, right? So, it's a matter how Budapest tries to spin it to gain concessions from both Ukraine and from Brussels. And here... The actual law doesn't matter. Is there anything else that Hungary has been complaining about apart from the minorities situation? Well, one thing right now, the main issue with Hungary blocking military and financial aid from the European Union to Ukraine is concerning the OTP bank, the largest bank in Hungary. Ukraine added this bank to the list of companies financing the war because the OTP bank is also present in Russia. It has a big chapter in Russia 
it operates fully. Uh, what happened is after Hungarian complaints, Ukraine actually removed this bank from the list of companies that sponsor the war. And Hungary is still not happy about it. Hungary now wants some kind of official guarantees, which is, I don't know how, how you can make official guarantees, that no Hungarian company will ever be added to this list, which sounds absurd because it is. Because um, if you objectively do something that's legal or work with Russia yeah. or start providing Russia with weapons, I don't know, how can you make a promise like that? Yeah, so basically it's... It means that Hungary wants to have a provision where Hungarian companies are exempt from law, mm -hmm. uh, I guess. And the other uh, also pretty absurd complaint is uh, they don't like that ethnic Hungarians with Ukrainian passports living in Ukraine can be drafted to the Ukrainian army, which I don't even know how to comment this. Um, yeah, I mean, just to be clear, it's not like ethnic Hungarians are being like disproportionately like no. punished or, you know, in a way that Russia, for example, is pulling its national minorities for the war. Yeah, it's, it's basically all Ukrainian citizens. And uh, like 300 Hungarians or something, as yeah, far as I've read. Are, are allowed, like, are to be drafted to the army. And among them, there's a few, a, a a few, few hundred Hungarians. Hungarians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it sounds like the Hungarian government has had a lot to say, but what about the actual Hungarians in Ukraine? Are they really super unhappy with everything that's going on? Well, look. The law was amended to accommodate their needs of being taught in their native language. But they also have to follow Ukrainian law. As we understand, most of the members of the Hungarian minority, they're okay with that. There's, most of them have actually double citizenship, Ukrainian and Hungarian, which is technically illegal under Ukrainian law. And the Ukrainian law enforcement has never kind of cracked down on this because obviously uh, Ukraine understands that this is a really kind of sensitive issue. sensitive issue and it's trying to accommodate their needs even if some stuff are not really legal according to the Ukrainian law. So Ukraine has done a lot to accommodate them. Hungarians, before the Hungarian government actually intervened because the Hungarian government was issuing passports. There's well-known video in 2018 where a Hungarian diplomat was actually handing out Hungarian passports in Ukraine and telling the people who took an oath to Hungary to hide this from the Ukrainian authorities. And then the council was, he was expelled from Ukraine. It was a diplomatic scandal, 2018. So he was basically openly calling to break Ukrainian laws. Yeah. And, and so Ukraine, despite all the diplomatic rift, it still was trying to be as accommodating as possible. There's a lot of Hungarian organizations that are financed by Hungary that obviously uh, have some issues with Ukraine as a state, basically. There's a really famous picture when Orban wore a scarf with Hungary, including Zakarpatia, or there's also some issues where Hungarian organizations in Ukraine issued like a calendar which showed their part of Ukraine as being part of Hungary. So there's issues, but before the Hungarian government got involved, they were minor. And so how has Ukraine responded to all of these accusations? It sounds like we've been pretty accommodating, as you've said, um, but what did that entail? But again, uh, you can be as accommodating 
as, as possible, but there's always a limit, right? Ukraine is actively engaging with Hungary to work out the differences. It changed the, the language law in 2020. It also removed OTP Bank from the list. So multiple stuff was done by Ukraine to basically help Hungary domestically sell this as a victory, right? And to kind of ease out all the differences. But as we know, most of them are Hungary trying to gain more and more concessions, both from Kiev and Brussels, and also using this as kind of part of propaganda domestically, right? So there's as much as Ukraine can do, to be honest. This actually flows perfectly into my next question, because all of this conflict between Hungary and Ukraine comes amid two really important relationships kind of lingering in the background. And that's the relationship that Hungary has with the EU, as you've mentioned. And another one is between Hungary and Russia, which is also hugely important. So let's start with the first one. Um, tell us about Budapest and Brussels and why they haven't really been getting along recently, as you've mentioned. We know that Hungary, since Orban came to power, has been backsliding all its democratic principles, right? It introduced laws that infringe judicial independence. There's a media law that goes against European treaties. There's also a wild situation where Hungary blocked private university, accusing it of meddling in government affairs. There's always a situation with the LGBTQ plus community, because actually Orban said this, that his country is an illiberal Christian democracy. He actually said that. He actually said that. And what that means, when you mention illiberal and Christian, that means that you're going to go against the LGBTQ community. And so not far ago, Hungary actually mimicked Russian so-called gay propaganda law and imposed it in Hungary, meaning that you can't have any positive public information about LGBTQ in, in print, in movies, publicly, anywhere. And actually, 15 countries of the European Union right now are suing Hungary for violation of EU principles. And uh, Belgium is leading this this way. So there's a whole bunch of really, really bad uh, stuff going on in Hungary. It's an illiberal democracy as Orban wants to frame it. And so even not tied to Russia and Ukraine, there has been a steady rise in conflict between Brussels and Budapest, right? So it escalated during the war because obviously now Hungary is stuck in the middle between the West trying to impose sanctions on Russia and also trying to accommodate Hungary's requests, right? But this whole rift is going on for, for a really, really long time. So is Hungary using Ukraine's relationship with the EU and Ukraine's, you know, wish for integration to demand something from the European Union? Yeah, it's always about money, right? So, for example, the European Union blocked uh, the COVID relief package for Hungary, which accounts to 6.3 billion euros because of Hungary's violation of the rule of law. Uh, Hungary wants this sum to be unblocked. And Hungary is on the receiving end of EU funding, right? So most Central European countries are actually receiving a lot of money from the European Union. And Hungary 
is really dependent on Brussels. So what it has to do, it has to always have to blackmail Brussels to release this funding. And, and so what happens now, Brussels is suing Hungary. Brussels is keeping billions of dollars frozen from Hungary. And obviously every scandal that Hungary is initiating is meant to gain either those funding or for the EU to drop legal actions. And it always had an ally in Poland that was able to block any EU sanctions against Hungary. Right now, probably it will have an ally in Slovakia. But Hungary always had to have something that it can pressure Brussels with. Okay, so clearly the relationship between Hungary and the EU has been at a very low point for many years now, and it's only getting worse, it seems. But what about Russia? What role does the Kremlin play in all of this? Because as you've mentioned, many of these anti-democratic reforms in Hungary kind of look like a copy-paste of some of the Russian legislation. Like the thing that you mentioned with the university having to close down, that law is actually, as far as I know, the foreign agents law, where like if an organization, including a university, receives more than a certain percentage of foreign funding, you have to be branded as like a foreign agent and you can't operate in Hungary, which is pretty ridiculous. And it's a very similar law to the one that Russia has. So basically, yeah, why, 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 why is Hungary the ally of Russia? The Russian-Hungarian relations were building up for years. Hungary is dependent on Russian fossil fuels. Um, Hungary is importing Russian gas, Russian oil, a Russian nuclear energy. Also, a Russian company is right now building a new reactor at the only Hungarian nuclear power plant. Yeah, and that's new. I think they like they signed this memorandum or something a few days ago. Yeah, it's, it's a really it's a really new thing. So the thing is, is that, for example, Hungary was blocking some of sanctions against Russia because it's really dependent economically on Russia. So it's dependent economically on both Brussels and Moscow at the same time. Yeah, what a it's country. A, it's a peculiar situation to be in. Yeah. And here we see that Russia is actually using this, obviously, in its favor, right? So first of all, Orban really likes how Russia operates. Orban being in power since 2010 and basically putting a hold on many democratic institutions, subverting them. He likes what Russia has been doing domestically. So for him, Putin is actually a really good teacher. But also, Hungary is increasingly dependent on Russia. And so if most European countries were trying to decrease this dependency, Hungary actually increased it, which is absurd for a country that always publicly demands more sovereignty. The scandal with the migrant crisis was that Hungary wanted its borders shut, being, becoming a national state, becoming so independent, and is increasingly being dependent on a really, really powerful and a really dangerous neighbor. Hungary said publicly that it won't accept any sanctions on Russian energy facilities and the whole energy sector. And so it also plays into Hungarian economic situation. And that's, I think, the most important reason here. But obviously, there is a relationship between Orban himself and Putin. 
And what has been Orban's rhetoric vis-a-vis Ukraine and the war? Because it, it seems like since the beginning of Russia's full-scale invasion, Hungary only has gotten closer to Russia. When the full-scale war started, Hungary initially supported sanctions and actually said that, yes, Russia invaded Ukraine, that they will support Ukraine accession into the European Union. Even Orban himself said that. But then as the war prolonged, Hungary started changing its its rhetoric. Hungary also had elections in 2022. And so on the campaign trail, Orban usually bashed Ukraine, saying that Ukraine is it's Ukraine's fault that this war is ongoing. He also brought up Ukrainian nationalists. He also said actually after the campaign when he won that he overcame his enemy Zelensky during this campaign, which is absurd, but that's Orban, so we shouldn't be surprised about absurd stuff he's saying. Um, He also said, and I quote, actually, so he said that the European Union is raping Hungary and forcing Hungary to comply with uh, like sanctions and with everything. So yeah, the guy is not a treat. He's also compared Ukraine to like Afghanistan and said that just like Afghanistan, Ukraine was a no man's land. And he also said that, uh, quote, in financial terms, Ukraine is a non-existent country, end quote, which I don't even know what he really meant here. But he was basically making an argument that the entirety of Ukrainian government and operations are financed by the West during the war. So financially, Ukraine doesn't exist. Well, Hungary is financed by the European Union. Um, so, yeah. Um, That's awkward. Yeah. Um, and right, right, like most of the stuff Orban says, he says it for the domestic audience. He wants to be the strong man who protects Hungarian interests, who wants all the finances from both Moscow and Brussels to flow inside Hungary. But fun fact, he is also accused of kleptocracy and corruption. And that's also one of the issues that there's been multiple cases where EU officials accused Hungary of mm, disbursing the, the funds received from Brussels into the pockets of Orban's officials or companies associated with the prime minister. So there's, there's a lot of problems with his words, right? Right now, if we're talking about the war, his new idea is he supports a ceasefire and he supports the Chinese peace plan, which is famous for not mentioning that Russia has to leave Ukrainian territory. So yeah. we basically would need to concede our land in order for that peace plan to work. Yeah, like the that, idea is just stopping... Let's lay down the arms and, and, and stop the war peacefully so less people die, whatever. Yeah, that's kind of the Chinese peace plan. It's opposed by the European Union, the US. Ukraine. Ukraine. And obviously it's supported by Hungary because like, who else? And how serious are all of these political theatrics of Orbans? Like how serious is this threat? Like can Hungary be persuaded to back off? Or is this something that's just going to pass and not really going to, you know, be that problematic for Ukraine's European future? Like, how, how should we be worried about it? Well, I think the problem here is that the European Union has been playing into Hungary's kind of uh, web, uh, in a sense, that 
Um, it always publicly bashes Hungary for opposing sanctions. Obviously, there's multiple countries that took Hungary to court over different issues. Also, the European Union said that it's thinking of imposing Article 7, meaning making sure that Hungary doesn't have certain voting rights and loses some privileges of being an EU member. But to be honest, the European Union didn't do much to actually force Hungary to tone down what it's doing, right? It allowed Hungary to pass this provision, like force this provision of importing Russian oil. It didn't have a plan for Hungary to fees out Russian energy sources from its economy, right? It allowed back in 2020, I think, for 2021, for Hungary to sign a new contract with the Gazprom. And it also allowed Hungary then to sign a contract with Russia, with Russian Rosatom, to build a new block of the nuclear power plant in Hungary, which accounts for over 50% of Hungarian electricity. So the European Union actually, actually has mechanisms to force Hungary uh, in line with its policy, or at least to bypass Hungarian veto. The problem here is what will Brussels do? Because obviously it's not about Ukraine. It's about Hungary wanting to force Brussels to give it concessions, to give it more money, to close its eyes on the lack of rule of law, the judicial reform, LGBTQ uh, laws. So I think at some point, Brussels will have to make a decision. How hard will it press its values and its basically policies on Hungary? We're now going to be moving to the community question of today's episode. I'll remind you guys that you should go to communindependent.com slash membership. To support our work, uh, you can donate to us, become a full member of our community. For as little as $5 a month, you get really cool perks, including, of course, our favorite perk, uh, which is that you get to send us in questions before every single episode on the podcast. And the question we're going to be answering today is, can the European Union actually remove Hungary? Like strip it of its EU membership. The fun part of this uh, question is that you can officially leave the European Union, there's actually a procedure where a country can leave the European Union. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, like hello UK. Yeah. Um, but there's no official procedure in place where the European Union can kick, the, kick out a country. So technically you can leave, but you can't be forced to leave. Or it's not mentioned in any of the European Union treaties. So it's not illegal, but it's also not legal. And Orban has actually said multiple times that the European Union is similar to the Soviet occupation. He recently said that. He, wow. said, he said that the European Union is having LGBTQ offensive. Yeah, so he said like there's a gay offensive against Hungary. Uh, against Hungary. And I read a few military books. I didn't see that. Like I, <laughs> That's an interesting strategy, to be honest. But yeah, so besides that, so he always bashes Brussels. He, he's always really angry at the European Union. He never said that he wants to leave the European Union. Because that's how it works. I mean, kind of reminds me of, I don't know, the Russian citizens who like are anti-West and 
think that, you know, the Western world is super flawed and full of terrible gays and black people and migrants and, you know, but when they have to choose whether to stay in Russia or flee to the so terrible European countries, they flee and they stay in Europe because guess what? Life is better there. Yeah. Like I would, I know this is not going to happen. This is never going to happen. Hungary is never going to be kicked out from the European Union. Really? Unfortunately. But I would like, that would be such a great precedent if Hungary would be kicked out of the European Union or stripped of its rights. And then Orban would definitely change his tone. Like he would, because Hungary is so dependent on Russian fossil fuels and money from Brussels, which it uses to pay for Russian fossil fuels, that it's, it's insane that Europe is dealing with Hungary for, for over a decade now. And that's the problem because actually the European Union won from the UK leaving the European Union. So if we look at economic terms, the European countries are growing. Well, Germany, not so much, but like the European Union economically is doing really well. Well, before the full scale invasion and the UK after Brexit, it actually entered a period of stagnation, right? And, and so for Hungary, it's vital to remain a part of the European Union. And unfortunately, I think that the European Union, knowing that, doesn't use it that much to force Hungary to tone down its attacks on liberal democracy, on the rule of law, on LGBTQ, on judicial independence, on freedom of speech, on everything. Well, Losha, thank you so much for being here. It was super fun talking to you. Thank you. Also this week, Germany's defense minister said that Germany will double its military aid to Ukraine for 2024, making it 8 billion euros. Ukraine and Poland have once again failed to reach an agreement over the protests of Polish truckers at Ukraine's border, which have been ongoing for more than a week now. The protesters have been demanding renewed restrictions on the number of Ukrainian trucks that can be permitted to enter Poland. And the Washington Post reported that Russian oil continues to flow into the American military supply chain despite the Western sanctions. You can find our show on YouTube and all audio platforms every Friday morning. If you like this episode, please subscribe to us and like our content wherever you're listening to this podcast. Go to kimindependent.com membership to support the Kim Independent work and also follow us on X, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>